PM board bombs. Now, here's doctors Iltafat Hussein and Blake Briggs. Welcome back to another EM Board Bombs podcast where we continue to drop board knowledge and just fun pearls for life. I am Iltafat Hussein, joined by my colleague, Dr. Blake Briggs. What's up, Blake? Just absolute, absolute enthusiasm here from me today. Hey, look, it was his first day with his new interns. I am stoked for how your attitude is right now. You know, many would have maybe just canceled, (laughs) but you did it. (laughs) We're still meeting up, you know. Um, Blake, uh, interesting story here. Blake and I have more or less been on vacation the last two weeks. have been taking a little break from podcasting, so it's nice to get back in the saddle. But uh, getting back in the saddle by... uh, starting off in july you know it's a it's a rough rough ride right there it's christmas new (laughs) interns it's great it's always exciting how eager they are it really is i actually love it it's a great way to Mm -hmm. mold and teach as well um Mm -hmm. i used to dread it early on in my career but i now uh actually really enjoy it it's one of my favorite months hey let's get into this so for every 10 to 15 minute episodes maybe even 20 minute episodes we drop high yield board knowledge we like to say come for the stems stay for the content try to make a little bit fun you can find us on twitter the instagrams the facebooks all that other stuff where we have now amassed thousands of followers no i'm not going to even plug our twitter account i'm not going to even tell folks if they don't know by now then uh whatever blake yeah come on whatever. just seriously let's just get with the program right right i mean we've got thousands of followers now too right i mean i never thought i'd be able to say that yeah we're so <laughs> done we're we're so done hunting for followers right now <laughs> yeah we don't we don't want to see it seem too like thirsty right <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> so as usual, we'd love to plug our premium podcast here, EM Rapid Bombs. If you enjoy EM Board Bombs and want the TikTok version of our podcast for those on, on that platform. Oh, wow. Look at that. That's, <laughs> right? Right? You like it? That's yeah. what our Rapid Bombs podcast is. It's a great way to support the platform Blake and our team have created from the website handouts, mailing list to the free airway module videos on our website. You know, we actually just hit 100 podcast episodes on em rapid bombs alone so not even our main podcast a hundred separate podcast episodes each episode is just two to four minutes long where we drop high yield board bombs and just knowledge bombs in general we do it in answer a question and answer format so it gets seared into your memory on average we drop four episodes a week so you get a new episode delivered to you almost daily we don't get into the nitty-gritty we just tell you what you need to know a uh, special shout out to all our subscribers that have signed up for the premium EM Rapid Bombs podcast. Blake and I were running the numbers the other day, and our EM Rapid Bombs podcast alone has gotten thousands of listens to date uh, mm-hmm. since we started that just a few months ago. So we really appreciate that support. Yeah. So, really, you know, you're probably asking, what is the EM Rapid Bombs for? And you know, you're like, hey, I get this free podcast right now. You guys are decently funny, at least on weekdays. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What's the deal? It, you know, it's really for people who would rather get short bursts of learning done via audio form while driving, working out, or walking the dog. We've had signups range from medical students to residents to even seasoned attendings. So who is EM Rapid Bombs not for? If you're really into pathophys and want to know the nitty-gritty details of every disease pathology, 
like to listen to one hour long podcast where the hosts make fun of studies and how they're underpowered or not and how they're smarter than everyone and how they hate the world <laughs> and how they oh oh sorry well there are plenty of other paying podcasts you can sign up for but if that's not you then you can sign up for em rapid bombs on em rapid bombs dot supercast dot tech and look at the show notes of this podcast as well you can find the link on our em board bombs main website as well Hey, speaking of awesome stems, let's hit this one today. We're really excited. You know why? You know why? Because today is Taco Tuesday. It's Taco Tuesday. All right. You're going to get it here in a second. So a 76-year-old male with a history of hypertension, CKD, and prior MI presents to your ED shorter breath. His hemoglobin is found to be five. That's five. (laughs) Not 15, five. (laughs) When you tell him that you need to give him blood... He looks at you oddly and states he has no interest in getting blood from you because he read online that blood banks are now putting microchips into blood in order to control bodies and potentiate 5G signals for the betterment of corporations. He, ha- yeah, he has no interest in being controlled, hashtag controlled, and being hashtag sheep. He actually makes the hashtag sign to you and says hashtag sheep. You explain to him that he will die without blood and it's up to him. He says, sure, give me the blood, but I'll figure out a way to take out the microchips. He is appropriately typed and screened, cross-matched, and given two units of packed red blood cells. He then becomes tachycardic, afebrile, and hypertensive. A few hours later, the patient becomes acutely short of breath and hypoxic. Which of the following is associated with this patient's presentation? A. Improper type and screen. B. Immune-mediated lung damage. C. Improperly stored blood products. Or D. Elevated systemic vascular resistance. What's the correct answer, Dr. Briggs? Correct answer is D, elevated systemic vascular resistance. Okay. Hey, okay. so we have two types of transfusion reaction categories, and today we're going to cover the major reactions. And you know, you just you, you need to know this. You, you need to know this because I have this like mental memory in my mind. Anytime there's like any sort of semblance of a transfusion reaction, you know, the nurse is going to come running to you and being like, "I think this patient might be having a reaction." And then automatically in your brain, you're kind of like, oh, man, let me go down this algorithm in my brain. This one's for you. You know what the best part of a patient getting a transfusion is? What? It's more or less a can't refuse admission. You know, look, I was just about to say it's an admission. (laughs) But in this day and age with boarding, that's not even guaranteed anymore. Oh, that's a good point. (laughs) Joke's on you. Hey, so we want to tell you not only what you need to know, but review some of the really important aspects of patient care, as Iltifat was saying. We have an awesome handout on this on the website. It covers more details, so we don't need to repeat those here. Let's just hit the highlights here. So we got life-threatening and non-life-threatening. How specific is that? (laughs) Mm, Love it. That's how we do it on EM. So life-threatening would be trolley, which is transfusion-associated lung injury, taco, which is transfusion-associated circulatory overload, And then, of course, you have the one everybody remembers, acute hemolytic transfusion reaction, and then you have just anaphylaxis, and then you have transfusion-associated sepsis. For non-life-threatening, there's really only, there's three of them, but there's two we're really just going to focus on today, 
which is an urticarial reaction and a febrile non-hemolytic reaction. That's all you really have to know for right now. So here's a general approach to all transfusion reactions. Guess what you're going to do every time you think you see a reaction? Well, it's probably reasonable to stop the transfusion. Just pause it. Sounds reasonable. What you're going to do is maintain... <laughs> Sounds reasonable. <laughs> What you're going to do, you know, we joke all around, we joke all the time about this, but like how many times you enter a room and you forget to like look at what's hanging on the patient's IV stand. Right, right. So in all seriousness, like just pause the transfusion. So you're going to maintain the IV with normal saline infusion because a lot of people forget to do this. The IV clogs and then you're hosed and that's all you got. You're going to confirm the product and then you're going to examine the patient. So the reason being here is that examining the patient's last, which sounds Correct. weird, but they're going to want you to stop the transfusion first. Always, always. That's a board pearl right there. Yeah, so let's cover those non-life-threatening ones. These are much more common than the life-threatening ones. These are the ones that I talked about earlier. I alluded to. The nurse is going to be running over to you to talk to you about. Oh, man, the urticarial ones. Urticarial, you know, if I can pronounce that uh, more appropriately. It's okay. It's a hard word. It's a hard word. It is. It is. You know, I trip up on it sometimes. Yeah. ESL. ESL. Yes. All right. Hey, I talked about that. You know my ESL stories uh, in prior pods. A type 1 hypersensitivity reaction. You know, blamed the preformed IgE in the recipient for this. So it can occur with any blood product. Hmm. No prophylaxis is needed here. Briefly, just stop the transfusion to give the patient Benadryl. Steroid. You, wait, product. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know you say Benadryl, but do you really mean diphenhydramine? Yeah, you know, I know we had that in our show notes, but I refuse to say that. Refuse, refuse that. We try to keep it. We try to keep it. You know, old school here okay. on you know EM board bombs, right? So this is the one again. You know, the boards are going to want you identify this one and understand that hey, this patient can still eventually get blood, but you need to give them Benadryl first. You can restart once symptoms improve and making sure that there are no signs of anaphylaxis. Perhaps the most important aspect of urticarial reactions is ensuring the patient is not experiencing anaphylaxis. Pro tip. So they're going to make this pretty obvious on the boards, right? They'll tell you if there are other systems involved or not, or they'll just say simply the patient developed this urticarial reaction. So again, remember the treatment for this. For urticarial reaction, solely an urticarial reaction, right? Without signs of anaphylaxis, you stop. Then you give the patient Benadryl. Steroids are not required, and then you restart after the symptoms improve. Mm -hmm. All right? So let's talk about the other one. Febrile non-hemolytic reactions. Here's a board poll right here. What is the most common transfusion reaction overall? Hey, I just mentioned it. Febrile non-hemolytic reaction. It is likely due to interleukins and cytokines from the donor white blood cells. This is a diagnosis of exclusion, as any fever is concerning for acute hemolytic reaction or transfusion-associated sepsis. So follow your hospital's policy when a fever develops. It most likely will involve stopping transfusion and returning the unit to the blood bank for analysis. That's key, right? They're returning that blood, uh, returning that blood back to the blood bank. If symptoms have stabilized and the unit is deemed okay, then the transfusion can be restarted. For this one, no prophylaxis is needed, but patients will need leukoreduction for future transfusion. So key treatment here, it's symptomatic and it's Tylenol for the fever. But again, you're stopping that transfusion reaction here. This one's a little bit harder for them to test you on mm -hmm. for the boards. But the way they will test you is just understanding it's the most common transfusion reaction. They might right. want you to know it's likely due to interleukins and cytokines from donor white blood cells. 
Hey, let's talk about the life-threatening reactions next. Thankfully, these reactions are becoming less and less common in the United States. Better screening, better protocols, etc. So tell us about trolley here. This is really, I think, getting into the meat of really relevant bore testable detail material. And this, yeah, gets like into critical, this gets into critical care. Yeah, critical care and like life stuff, right? Like this yeah. is stuff you're paid to know, the more you right? Know. So yeah, the more you know. You know, we should play that sometime. <laughs> trolley. Traditionally the most common again, traditionally the most common cause of death from transfusion reactions. One of the mechanisms involves the association with female multiparous donors, which suggest a mechanism of passive transfer of antibodies with subsequent activation of the recipient white blood cells. Ah, that's a lot there. Mm. All right, Dr. Briggs. So let's talk about, you know, some of the criteria that need to be met. There are five criteria that need to be met. Again, uh, just kidding, though, because you do not ever need to know this for the boards. Oh, I got you there. You know, you were ready to learn that. You had a pen and paper ready to go. But I threw you for a loop. You got a pen and paper. You got those people scribbling notes, as, as some people do. They, just don't worry about it. Don't worry about oh those five gosh. criteria. Just understand this. Understand this, please. It presents within hours of transfu- you know, within hours of that infusion going. These patients present with the following. Fever, respiratory distress, and hypotension. So again, they got transfused within hours. Fever, respiratory distress, and hypotension. The treatment here is going to be supportive. Supplemental oxygen, BiPAP if necessary, possibly even intubation. They can rapidly decline. Again, you don't need to know this criteria or whatnot. Just understand some of the pathophys behind it. Understand that treatment here is really going to be supportive. And it is no longer the most common cause of death from transfusion reaction. But obviously, with those presenting symptoms of fever, respiratory distress, and hypotension, you need to be aggressive in managing this. Yeah, it's crazy. You just need to think of these patients, at least I do, think of them as ARDS patients. ARDS-like, like A-R-D-S-like patients. It's pretty reasonable. Hey, let's talk about TACO. It is TACO Tuesday. Mm. So TACO is is caused by circulatory overload from the transfusions. That's what our patient had in this question stem. They're usually of higher volume or those in the extremes of age. Recipients typically have an underlying cardiovascular history and some sort of positive fluid balance. Patients typically present several hours after multiple transfusions with elevated blood pressure, you know, possibly flash pulmonary edema. What you're going to expect here is a BNP likely to be elevated, BNP ratio greater than 1.5 had a specificity of like 90% of this. So elevated BMP mm. is associated with this, and it's pretty specific, which I thought was actually kind of shocking to do the rapid onset. Right. So the treatment here is going to be supportive again. You know, it's similar to trolley, supplemental oxygen, diuretics in this case, you know, NIPPV, like BiPAP, rarely intubation is required. And, you know, really the difference here is you're probably thinking there like, do I even need to know the difference between trolley and taco? And in real life, it can be right. really difficult. So thankfully, the treatment plans are really similar. And so you're right. You don't really have to know the difference other than the nitty-gritty presentations for the test. So here's, here's the deal. Trolley presents within a few hours. Symptom severity far outweighs the volume given. Think about that. So small volume even, you could still have this horrible like ARDS-like reaction. They typically have a fever. They typically are hypotensive. And they have high mortality. Mm. taco think about this think about taco circulatory overload so there you go multiple transfusions it's going to be much more delayed 
They're not going to have a fever in contrast to trolley. They're going to have a high blood pressure in contrast to trolley. You know, they're volume overloaded. And they also have high mortality too. That pretty helpful? Yeah, I, I kind of, yeah, and I, I think about it like that flash pulmonary yes. edema. You know, we talked about that sympathomimetic hit, right? The hypertension, uh, that tachycardia as well. So that to me is going to be like the differentiator right away between trolley and taco. And I could see them presenting that to you. Hey, tell us about this other uh, horrible reaction that can happen. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about acute hemolytic transfusion reaction. I feel like this is step two all I over know, again. Huh? The step m- one. Step right? one. Come on. Uh, uh, hey, it's past fail now. The it's most okay. feared. Yeah, it's, right, right. Uh, these days. Yeah, you don't, you don't have to know this trophy. anymore. It's past fail. You just skip this question. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon? <laughs> Too soon. Let's go. Let's go. All right. So acute hemolytic transfusion reaction, the most feared reaction, thankfully rare. Its presentation is usually immediate, but can be delayed up to two hours. It's triggered by a few millimeters. So again, a few mls, guys, here. ML, right? M, lowercase, L, uppercase, of blood due to an ABO mismatch. Preformed host antibodies destroy the donor's RBCs. Fever is going to be the number one symptom, followed by chills, hypotension, flank pain, and classically, oh, this is like the freaking one. <laughs> this is so Oozing freaky. from the IV sides. Oh, God. Oozing Nightmares. from the IV sides. Some hashtag scary stuff. Can you imagine if your triage nurse or some nurse came and got you and said, you know, this would get your attention. Just came by and said, hey, the patient's got their blood transfusion. Oh, but I, I think they're oozing from their IV site. <laughs> right. Yeah, I would first have like repressed memories from step one or step two, and then I would just yeah. jump into action. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the treatment here is stop that transfusion. Oh, really? Most fatalities, and all right, most fatalities are associated with transfusion greater than 200 mLs of blood. So while only a few mLs are required to start that reaction, the morbidity is worse, obviously, if you're going to be getting a lot more. Immediately give IV fluids at high speed you know we always personally prefer lr but they're going to need a lot of iv crystalloids here at high speed the goal here is to dilute the hemoglobin in the blood and minimize it coming in contact with host antibodies Hmm. emergency hemodialysis might be needed if massive hemolysis and resultant hyperkalemia occur again those are some of those lab things you might get tested on so understanding, you know, they're going to be hemolyzing here and hyperkalemia is going to be another thing that you really should be considering. Hey, do you think you could build critical care for those patients? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Hey, talk about anaphylaxis. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So step one again. It, uh, this is kind of like the obvious one, right? So this is a rapid onset of anaphylactic shock with two or more of the following you have hypotension respiratory distress wheezing or urticaria or gi symptoms the key way that this is going to present though that's going to differentiate from other things is you're going to have that hypotension that you saw overlapping with a couple of these other reactions but you're also going to be having that respiratory distress and wheezing right so uh, some of those more common anaphylaxis type symptoms they might squeeze in a gi symptom but i doubt that uh, it's really going to be respiratory distress and wheezing Classically is due to an IgA deficiency, but also can have a haptoglobin deficiency. Treatment here is the same as with any and every anaphylaxis. IM epinephrine, remember not IV, IM epinephrine in the lateral thigh. 
All the other drugs are secondary, so giving Benadryl, H2 blockers, steroids. But the main thing is going to be giving IM epinephrine. Hey, let's talk about one more. Transfusion-associated sepsis. This is pretty rare. You'll probably never see this in the United States. Hopefully not. Fever is the most common presenting symptom. you got to pay close attention to the blood products. And here's a sketchy part. They could have a purple-brown hue, and platelets can have excessive bubbles present. Ugh, ugh, ugh. That's disgusting. That's disgusting. That's like old chicken noodle soup. I'm at a loss of words here. Hashtag sketchy. <laughs> hey, let's talk about the workup. So stabilization of the patient should occur simultaneously in all of these cases. You know, labs can help separate certain emergencies from each other, as well as non-life-threatening causes. You know, as you pause at transfusion, you know, evaluate the patient, check the blood products, get labs going. All patients with suspected acute hemolytic transfusion reaction anaphylaxis, sepsis, and trolley, well, you know, obviously all those people need labs, they need chest x-ray, they need, you know, elevation ICU status, all that. And, you know, parting thoughts here, if your patient has a fever when receiving a transfusion, you need to think of the following on your differential just to bring it all in. Trolley, febrile hemolytic transfusion reaction, sepsis, febrile non-hemolytic transfusion reaction. Of course, you know, the latter being a diagnosis of exclusion. And parting thoughts from me, if a patient is in respiratory distress, think of these, trolley, anaphylaxis, and taco. If the patient has a subjective fever but no actual elevated temperature, wait 15 to 30 minutes and restart transfusion if the patient remains asymptomatic otherwise. You got it. And look, that's pretty much it. We appreciate everyone bearing with us. Uh, Blake and I have been traveling a lot these last two weeks. I'm actually still in Texas the good state of texas where i brought my mic along so we could do some podcast recording so audio might not necessarily be the best but you know we figured hey even though we're traveling even though it's july for you you just got back we got to give the people what they want which is another pod so we appreciate that exactly and taco tuesday taco tuesday you know we made it barely on monday night you know after after our country's independence Exactly. Oh, man. <laughs> right? Oh, man. We appreciate it. You know, sign up on our website for our newsletter. You can find our Rapid Bombs podcast, Where Dr. Briggs? You can sign up for EM Rapid Bombs on emrapidbombs.supercast.tech. You can look at the show notes of this podcast as well. And you can also find the link on our EM for Bombs main site. Thanks, Dr. Briggs. Sorry. Yeah, yeah I'm not sorry. Hold on one second, one second. Thanks, Dr. Briggs, and we appreciate everyone who supported us there. We're now over 100 podcast episodes on that pod alone. Appreciate everyone listening in. We'll see you later. Out. Hey, are you still listening? Well, if you are, this is kind of like end of credits, a preview. It's like Marvel. I know, right? Marvel, this is pretty exciting. You know, some people might have tuned us out here. Dr. Briggs and I are actually meeting up for a joint pod. We're going camping in the woods of Alabama. In the swamps. We'll see who survives. We are in the swamps. We'll see who survives. But we're going to do, we're going to try to pull this off. We're going to try to pull off a podcast episode while camping and kayaking in the woods with mosquitoes all around and gators this is going to be legendary legendary we're going to be doing this next week so we'll see how it goes it might work or we might just lose everything 
when our backpack flips over the canoe and gets into the water. So, so we'll see. We'll see. But be on the lookout. Should be fun. See you next time. See you next time.